The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. And we're starting with China, where the largest banks are indeed preparing to cut interest rates on existing mortgages and deposits in an effort to shore up what has been of late a sluggish economy. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has details. Sources say the reductions will only affect loans on first homes. Public data show more than 90% of China's outstanding mortgages were for first homes as of July 2021, while last year that figure is 80%. According to the housing ministry, the moves are part of a targeted push by Beijing to spur consumer spending and drive more funds into the stock market. Beijing also hopes to alleviate pressure on lenders' profit margins. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Which takes us to China's property crisis. Chinese developer Country Garden has proposed a grace period of 40 calendar days for a maturing yuan bond. That story from Bloomberg's Baniao. Bondholders are set to vote on the grace period proposal at the end of this month. The bond would otherwise come due on September 4th. The news comes as it seeks to win creditor supports to stretch payment into 2026. The ceaseless warning signs from credit markets are adding to broader concerns about the world's second largest economy. If the grace period is granted, it could help country gardens steer away from going into a default. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie L. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. All right, moving to Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo's trip to Beijing, saying that American business people are telling her China's becoming increasingly uninvestable. Raimondo highlighting many challenges, including ongoing fines and ambiguity over China's new anti-espionage law. This is all adding to a lot of existing issues such as intellectual property theft and competing with subsidized Chinese firms. We did have reaction from Max Baucus, the former U.S. ambassador to China, t- uh, taking issue with Raimondo's comments. I think uh, and, and a lot of businesses know that if they're smart, if they maintain their business relationships uh, in China, they could probably work out a deal. Now, it's true that um, it's the, the climate in China is, a, is, is makes it more difficult for U.S., but I would not say uninvestable. I would just say it's, the risks are greater. Mm. That's a Max Valkus, former U.S. ambassador to China. Separately, U.K. Foreign Secretary James Cleverly is due to arrive in China Wednesday. Cleverly wants to reset ties between the two countries. He is the most senior British diplomatic visitor in six years. Grayscale Investments won a key legal fight in its push to launch the first Bitcoin exchange ETF. Here is Bloomberg's Alison Versprill. An appellate panel of three judges in Washington, they overturned a decision by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to block Grayscale's application to convert its Bitcoin trust into an exchange trade fund that is backed directly by the token. So basically what the judges said here was that Grayscale presented substantial evidence uh, that its product was similar to Bitcoin 
futures ETFs, which have already been approved by the SEC. They said the SEC's decision to deny the uh, Grayscale Bitcoin ETF while approving those futures ETFs was arbitrary and capricious, that the regulator failed to explain you know, its different treatment of the similar products. That is Bloomberg's Allison Verspreel. By the way, the SEC could appeal this decision, the one that we had today from that judge, uh, or the court, I should say, Bitcoin as much as 8.3% higher in the U.S. session today. Rashad. All right. Well, let's have a look at regulator and uh, regulations, I should say, with U.S. regulators wanting to hit more banks with new requirements to prepare better for potential failures. And Cates has the details. The FDIC and the Federal Reserve are proposing that banks with as little as $100 billion in assets be required to issue enough long-term debt to cover capital losses in times of severe stress, with the mandates to be phased in over three years. The rapid failure of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in March spotlighted hurdles and oversight for mid-sized lenders. The new plan would bring regulations more in line with the scrutiny of Wall Street's largest banks. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, the day's economic news here in the States argued for an end to Fed tightening. U.S. consumer confidence fell by the most in two years. This is from the conference board. The group's index at a reading of 106.1 this month. That is August down from 114 in July. Now, the decline in sentiment, I think it's fair to say, reflects not only souring views on the labor market, but higher borrowing cost and lingering worries of inflation. Now, the current conditions index from the conference board also fell to its lowest level since the month of November. So on top of that, you've got the number now of U.S. job openings at a near two-year low. So then you look at the swaps market to get a sense of what the market is betting on when it comes to the Fed. Fewer bets for a Fed rate hike this year and a greater chance of a pivot in Fed policy sometime during the first half of 24. We'll talk more about markets coming up here on DBA. Right now, we go to Global News. Vladimir Putin will venture out of Russia for the first time in months. Dan Schwartzman's here in the Bloomberg Newsroom. Danny. Yeah, that's right, Doug. He will be taking his first trip since an arrest warrant was issued for alleged war crimes by the International Criminal Court. He's going to be traveling to China in October for the Belt and Road Forum after accepting an invite from Xi Jinping. Putin hasn't been out of Russia since the warrant was issued in March, except to visit occupied areas of Ukraine. President Biden touting Medicare's first ever price negotiations for prescription drugs that was authorized under the Inflation Reduction Act. Ten widely used drugs have been named as the first to be negotiated for with the government looking to gain lower prices. If drug companies do refuse to negotiate, they're going to be taxed heavily. Republicans, though, have not been on board with Biden's plan. They say drug companies may not invest as heavily into new drugs if they can't maximize profits after they spend billions of dollars on research and development. The forecast for Hurricane Adalia continues to get worse. Winds are now expected to reach 125 miles per hour when it hits Florida tomorrow. Currently, Idalia is building strength in strength in the Gulf of Mexico with winds topping 90 miles per hour. Right now, the hurricane is expected to hit Florida somewhere above Tampa and Clearwater and maybe a bit south of Tallahassee. President Biden talking about the hurricane while hosting Costa Rican President Rodrigo Chavez at the White House. We're worried about the, the surge, the ocean surge. We don't know exactly yet. It's hour to hour we're watching this. And, uh, but I told the governor that and the mayor uh, and the regions that are likely to be hit first that we're there as long as it takes. We're going to make sure they have everything they need. 
So far, 794 flights in and out of Tampa have been canceled between today and tomorrow. The victim in yesterday's shooting at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill has now been identified. Zizi Yan, an associate professor in the Department of Applied Physical Sciences in the College of Arts and Science, was shot and killed by graduate student Tai Lee Chi. Yan was listed as Chi's academic advisor. Judge Sherry Morell outlining the charges against Tai Lee Chi. Sir, you're also charged with first-degree murder which is a class A felony and carries a maximum punishment of death and a minimum punishment of life without parole. Classes and events have been canceled on campus till Thursday. The field slightly thinning for the Republican nomination for president. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez dropping out. Suarez suspended his bid after failing to get on the stage for the first debate last week. The 45-year-old was the only Latino candidate in the field, but he was polling at a meager 0.2%. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Dan Schwartzman. This is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest. Katie Kaminsky is with us. Katie is chief research strategist. She's also a portfolio manager at Alpha Simplex. She joins us uh, from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Katie, thanks for being with us. Are you making the bet that the Fed is not only through with its uh, interest rate uh, tightening, but that we're going to get rate cuts sometime uh, after the first half of, let's say, 24? We're actually kind of in the opposite position. That's why I'm glad you asked that, because we on the technical side have been saying that rates are going to be higher for longer. And we've been the only one saying that for quite some time. So today was rough, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So where do we go from here? I mean, what does the, the you know, what does the landscape look like in your view over the next couple of years? Well, that's, this is why I'm so glad you asked, because we've been seeing more the longer view that inflation is stickier and that we're actually going to have to wait a little longer for inflation to come down. And I feel like everyone is very much ready for rate cuts faster than we can get them, and they keep pushing them out. And so a day like today, it comes out, and yes, I do agree, this is an indication that we might be done, but that doesn't mean that inflation is over. Um, And I think that's where there still might be room to have higher rates um, for a little bit longer than people would still like. Um, We were talking about positive for equities today, though. (laughs) Definitely positive day for equities on the back of those lower yields. So if what you're saying plays out, what's the future look like for the equity market? 
Well, that's the tricky one. The equity market is sort of trying to peter through, um, get the soft landing where we might have some slightly tougher economic data, which may pause the Fed. But the truth is the Fed's mandate, and they were very clear, is to get inflation down to 2%. So if we're not at 2%, does tougher economic data, does that cause us to wait and tolerate inflation? That's not a good sign for bonds. It might mean that equities enjoy a little bit of positive movement from inflation from a nominal sense if we can kind of waver through this. So that's where it's a little tricky is that it's not an obvious negative right away for equities. Um, It just means there's less tightening and hence everybody's happier like what you saw today. Yes, but uh, Katie, the problem here is, I mean, and surely this is blindingly obvious, if you've got interest rates on hold because the data is weak and the data becomes weak really across the board, well, company earnings are going to get hit. That's true. I mean, this is why it's so hard right now. Nobody knows what the playbook is. There's the right and there's the left and both sides say, you know, if we if we go too far one direction, it could go in a bad direction, right? And so I think it feels a little bit like a tightrope walk where we're trying to figure out, can we have enough tightening so that we can get through this and get inflation down enough without damaging uh, the economy, but then have the equity market still be good enough to invest in and have companies have decent earnings. I mean, that's a tricky place. That's definitely not an easy place to invest. And one of the things I think that the American economy has been benefiting from, the fact that China has been essentially exporting uh, deflation, that has certainly helped to some extent. I'd like you to weigh in on the China story as you understand it right now. How dire is that situation? Well, I'm glad you asked that because this month has really felt different. Um, Recently, it has really felt like the China story, although very disappointing, has felt somewhat decoupled from the U.S. And this month in particular, as you've seen a very difficult August, you've started to see people comment more and more about how there may be some spillover of challenges in China into the U.S. economy. And I think that's where we need to start asking those questions and wondering if some of the challenges there will actually percolate into um, companies and into demand um, for the U.S. as well. And I think people have kind of separated those two, and that's starting to come up in a lot of questions right now um, for many different investors. Uh, so, Katie, do you have any exposure there? And uh, also, uh, perhaps, uh, would you, or is it for you something which is, uh, as uh, we've just been talking about, uninvestable? Yes. So we've seen um, what's been interesting for us in terms of China. It's been definitely short signals in the Chinese yuan has been an interesting trade this year. Um, We've seen a relative positioning of the, say, the A50 versus some of the U.S. indices has worked well as a a relative positioning this year as well. So there has definitely been um, a lot of opportunities for active investment with this divergence in terms of monetary policy and also just how conditions have changed, um, have, have been so different across the globe. So there's definitely been opportunities this year to trade um, the China versus outside of China narrative. So I want to shift to artificial intelligence. Before you joined Alpha Simplex in 2018, you were a visiting scientist 
at the MIT Laboratory for Financial Engineering. It seems to be a safe bet that markets are going to become increasingly reliant on AI beyond what we already see when it comes to algorithmic and program trading. Both are widely used. And I'm wondering how much longer it's going to take before we get something much more advanced and when trading will essentially be taken out of human hands. Well, I think this year has indicated it's the hot topic. I mean, AI is so hot this year. And just look at how everybody is so focused on how AI has the potential to change financial markets, to change the outlook of the future. Um, And if you look at indices that are more exposed to AI and other investments, there's been a massive divergence in terms of where that is. And I think that is something that's going to continue, just like some of the big themes we've seen in the past. Um, And I think we don't know, um, because, you know, with new technology, it's always about you know, continuing to see it innovate and and follow it. So I think it's going to be exciting. And I think there's not just buzz, it's going to be reality. Reality. Katie, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Uh, Katie Kaminsky from Alpha Simplex Group joining us here on DBA. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.